You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, 49ers fans, welcome back to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast with John Chapman, and I am excited. Today is just going to be straight your questions. These are just so fun. Just a, a draft mailbag question. Some of the questions are, most of the questions are 49ers related. But the prospects, whether you're a 49ers fan or not, we're going to be breaking those down on here. And this is straight from you guys. So really appreciate all those that reached out and, you know, brought stuff up. I, I remember several years ago whenever I started this, I couldn't get questions. Uh, <laughs> I would try to. And it was just like crickets. But now, you know, I ask for questions and you get 30 some odd plus questions and you can't get to them all so it's absolutely uh, astonishing and amazing the support that you guys have brought to this podcast you know in just a few short years but yeah i'm gonna try to get to as many questions as i can and we'll just keep going so the first question without further ado is from at j novel and he asks which top 20 pick will most likely be a bust regardless of where they land now there a couple things real quick. So th there's a big discrepancy between my top 20 picks and picks that I think will go top 20. And so the first guy that just screams out to me is Rashawn Gary. Uh, I know a lot of people are super high on him. Coaches love this guy. And, and this is a big difference between scouts <laughs> and coaches. Scouts judge the film. You know, these are the guys that go out very early on and they just break down everything about the film and they get to know the ins and outs of them and all that stuff and so they'll come out and say man yeah this dude's amazing but he doesn't really get a lot of stuff done uh, whereas a coach is going to see exactly what he was able to do at the combine and say all right this kid is so special that i think i can get the best out of him and, and so this is why Rashawn Gary will go in the top 20. If, if you were going off of production and film, he's not a first-round draft pick. He's not in my first-round grades at all. But you have to understand that his ceiling is high and his potential is nuts, which potential just means you haven't done it yet. And the high ceiling, low floor guys are always scary. 
And keep in mind, you know, the, the average rate of success for the draft is around 50%, and that's in the first round. You know, the NFL Network has been airing all the old, um, you know, first rounds of previous draft 2012 all, all the way up to, you know, where we're at now. And you just watch it and you're just like, ouch, <laughs> like, at pick after pick after pick. So it, you're talking a 50% chance. Now, the higher you pick them, usually the better chances of success are. But Rashawn Gary's going to go in that kind of 8 to 20 range. He's going to be there. But it, it's just... I don't know. You, you could talk about how athletic he is. You know, he ran a four five eight, and he weighs 277 pounds, which is just nuts. But the problem is, whenever you watch his film, his first step is just okay. Chase Winovich beats him off the line every single play. Um, he pops straight up and loses all of his leverage and power. And the second step, he is standing straight up. So, again, if you're a scout and you break down these plays and you look at it, you're just like, oh, that's awful. That is awful. That is awful. And it's something that continued, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior year. But, again, you have to remember, this is the number one overall player out of high school. He was ahead of Ed Oliver, which is insane to me. Um, and I have him as a more athletic Quentin Copels. The athleticism is there. The ceiling is there. But the floor is low. Uh, worst case scenario for Rashawn Gary, you put him as one of the defenses, defensive ends in a 3-4, and you just let him take up blocks. So it, whenever I say bust, he's going to have a role in this league. However, uh, first round pick, I wouldn't touch him. Uh, the second guy that stands out to me is Daniel Jones, and he, the reason why I picked him is this. He's the antithesis of Rashawn Gary. He probably has the lowest ceiling of any quarterback in this draft. Um, he is a guy that, you know, everybody loves because he was coached by Cutcliffe, you know, at Duke, the quarterback guru himself. And I will say this, you know, I have been able to meet Cutcliffe a few different times and sit through uh, a lot of his um, sessions where he teaches and all that stuff. And the dudes, he's in unbelievable. He's amazing. One of the, the best uh, coaching conferences I've ever been to was with Cutcliffe, probably the, one of the best and second best. He he is unreal. So a lot of teams see what Daniel Jones has done, and they say, "Man, he's been coached by the best," and you know he he's he's probably one of the more pro ready guys that we have now. But at the quarterback position, you don't draft for floor. I, I don't believe that you do that. It's almost opposite of every other position. You have to draft on top tier talent. And Daniel Jones does not have that. Um, his footwork is great, but whenever pressure comes his way, um, you know, his, his best trait is he climbs the pocket and his pocket awareness is, is great, but he just he doesn't have that killer's mentality that you want as quarterback. He's fine checking down no matter what. The all of the comparisons to Eli Manning, they're appropriate. You know, I I, I called him De Davis Webb with more upside, which isn't saying much, but he just doesn't force the ball deep. He only had five completions over 30 yards in the air. That is dead last of any person that is draft el eligible at the quarterback position. So he's just a guy that's going to dink and dunk. Um, now he is more mobile than people think. You know, he ran a four eight one, and he had 17 career rushing touchdowns, but He's not like a guy that you're going to design runs for. He just he can escape out of the pocket. So if you want to coach and you have a solid team and you're just wanting a quarterback to not lose it for you, Daniel Jones is going to be your guy. 
But if you try to put him in a position where he's going to be winning you games, I just don't think it's going to happen. So uh, those are kind of my two biggest guys where I'm just like, eh, I really would not want to touch either of these guys. So, and again, to put this in perspective, I have Daniel Jones as my number 90 <laughs> overall player. He's going to go in the first round. I don't care what anybody says you know the new draft rumors are that there are several teams that have daniel jones as their qb1 and a big reason why they they have that is because those are teams that value prototypical height weight speed type guys and whenever you look at daniel jones and you see him out there on the combine yeah he can throw the deep ball yeah he's got the arm yeah he's got the size he's got all those things he checks every single box until you put on the film and when that game's on the line Eh, I don't know, man. I, I don't feel comfortable giving this guy the ball. So th those are two that stand out to me. Daniel Jones is going to go in the first round, and it's going to be an absolute mistake by whoever gets him. But I love that as a 49ers fan because it's going to push more elite talent down in the draft. So very good question, Jay. Thank you. Next question is going to be Henry uh, Elizondo9. He is an absolute awesome Twitter follow, so uh, really appreciate all that he does for me. I'm thinking the 49ers don't draft an offensive lineman. Do you agree or disagree? I disagree. I think that interior offensive line is one of the top three needs for this team. And so if we look at our interior position, we have Lakin Tomlinson, Weston Richburg, and Mike Pearson, who we just signed to a new deal. Now, he got backup money. His contract is, this is Mike Pearson, three years, $8.2 million. That is backup money. And he's 31 years old already. So to put this into perspective, we signed Lakin Tomlinson, who we traded for, amazing trade, probably the best trade that this organization has made thus far, um, you know, a previous year. We signed him to a three-year $16.5 million deal. So you could see how the 49ers um, see this starter versus reserve money. We did the same thing to Daniel Kilgore a year before, and then we traded him to Miami for free uh, just because we, we were able to get Richburg. Pearson's a backup guy. He, he's a guy that could back up all three interior guys. He's tough as hell. Um, you know, he played all 16 games. He did allow the most quarterback hurries with 26 uh, last year. He's, he's, he's just a guy that's – he's just a guy. He's a jag. And so the fact that he is durable and dependable, that's his best traits. But if Mike Pearson is starting for the 49ers this year, that is a major concern. So um, then you add on to the fact that, hey, Joe Staley will be 35 this year. So this is the last year of Joe Staley's contract. Now, I do believe if Joe Staley wants to play another year, the 49ers would welcome him with open arms. He is still putting up elite production. Uh, you know, he's so athletic. People forget, you know, he went to Central Michigan and he was a tight end. And, you know, he kept adding weight. And eventually, we traded up in the left in the first round to get him. And he was drafted the exact same draft class as Joe Thomas. And he's still going. You know, I love Joe Thomas. He's probably one of my favorite non-49ers. But the fact that this guy is playing two years after Joe Thomas hung it up, like, he's a, he is going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, he has just played at such a consistent level for so long. Um, so anyway... You have to make some type of contingency plan for what's going to happen when Joe Staley does decide to hang up the cleats. And you have to assume with the contract status, the age, are you going to bring back a 36-year-old left tackle? Um, even if you are, are you going to plan for 37-year-old left tackle? So anybody that fits that kind of guard tackle 
transition. So, you know, tackles get knocked in the draft process for being they don't have the length of an elite left tackle, and so they get knocked. You know, we see this with people like Jonah Williams, um, Cody Ford, Kajust, you know, these types of people. That's okay because that's our specialty. We're fine with that. So if if we aren't sitting in that second round, you know, that pick number 36 is the most important pick for the 49ers. Uh, the number two pick, even if they go Quentin Williams, Josh Allen, um, Nick Bosa, they trade out, you're going to get a stud there. But that 36 pick is interesting because there is going to be so much elite talent around that. And I really do believe that's going to determine how this draft measures up. Do we trade up again for the third consecutive year under John Lynch and Shanahan in the second round to get all the way up into the first round or trade up in the second round even more? Do we stay pat? Do we trade back? I, I personally would prefer us to trade back because we can get the same type of guy in that 30 to 50 range. That's the depth of this draft. So some of the guys that I think we could be targeting in that second round, um, is somebody like Eric McCoy going to be there? I'm going to talk about him a little bit uh, a little bit in the future. He's a pure guard, guard center guy that is just absolutely incredible. Um, I have a first round grade on him. But if we look at the tackles that could play guard and tackle, that's where the value is. Dalton Reisner is unbelievable. Um, he's played all five <laughs> positions for Kansas State. Uh, I think he would be a guard right tackle for us. And the fact that he's played center as well, that's huge. And he's mean as hell. So we could put him at right guard now. And then whenever Staley does retire, you move McGlinchey, who's the ideal left tackle, uh, height, weight, speed, length, all that stuff. You move him to left tackle, then you move Reisner to right tackle. And it's a seamless uh, trans transition. Also, Jonah Williams definitely will not be there in the second round. But if you do move up, perfect fit, perfect integrity, all those different things. So there's a lot of guys that we could do that with. Um, and it seems like on our offensive line, what we value most is versatility. Somebody that can play center guard or somebody that can play guard tackle. And if you can do that, and if you can move and block in space, you know, with the zone blocking scheme that Shanahan does, I think that that's going to be a value. I do think that we will take an offensive lineman in the first three picks. At least I hope we do. Um, so we'll see what happens there. So thank you, Henry, for your question. Next question up, we have at Eat Sleep Niners. Absolute legit Twitter handle. That is legit. Uh, where would you have graded Contavious Street before the injury? And do you anticipate him having any impact on the roster? Thanks for all the good work. Appreciate that. Um, so last year, if we go to Contavious Street, you know, this was our ACL pick that uh, it doesn't matter who our GM is. We love ACL tears. I absolutely hate it, but that's okay. He tore his ACL working out for the Giants last year prior to the draft. Now, the thing about this kid is he is insane strength. A 700-pound squat, 28 bench reps at 225, which is elite for his size and what he is. He's just a guy that he looks like a defensive tackle kind of three-tech, but he has unreal motor. And his power is just, you see it on every single film. So um, the problem is he's the last one off the line sometimes, but whenever he makes contact with the offensive linemen, they move. Uh, his power shows up on every single play. Now the problem is he's a little bit of a peeker. And what I mean by that is instead of driving through the offensive linemen, he will stand straight up and look 
on each side of the head of the offensive lineman to try to figure out what the play is doing. And whenever he does that, he loses his leverage. Um, and he tries to watch the ball carrier and stuff way too much, and I hate that because that forces him to completely negate all of his power. He's a powerful guy. That's his strength. But whenever you play under your shoulder pads instead of behind them, you lose all <laughs> leverage and power that you have. You know, Lynch, after he picked him, said the long term with him is his versatility. You know, he could play over the tight end and he could play the three tech. So he rated him as third round without the injury. We got him in the fourth round. So this just adds to it, you know. <laughs> I put out a tweet, you know, how many guys do the 49ers have that can play three tech on our roster? You know, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, Ronald Blair, Contavious Street, Julian Taylor, Demontre Moore in certain situations. That's a lot of dudes. That's seven guys that can play this three tech spot, which we are loaded up on. The 49ers, they seem to value certain positions, running back more than most, three tech more than most. Um, linebacker more than most. If you look at the picks and the money we have spent at the linebacker position, you know, Fred Warner traded up to get Reuben Foster. We pay Malcolm Smith. Then we pay, you know, our new guy um, coming over from Tampa Bay. So it, there, there's a lot of <laughs> – it seems like there's certain positions we really, really like. So take that for what you want. I, I like Contavious Street. However, he's going to be log jammed at a position that we are loaded at. So my personal idea on him is anything that we can get from this guy's bonus. I am I, I'm not that I'm writing him off. I'm just saying, man, he's got an uphill climb. And then you want to talk about the people that want to draft Quinnen Williams. If that's the case, Contavious Street has has no place on this roster. Um, maybe uh, <laughs> strong side end behind Eric Armstead. But he's not. He can play on the edge, and we are notorious for putting players on the edge that don't belong there on pass rushing downs. You know, look at Solomon Thomas. Um, I would argue Eric Armstead shouldn't be playing the edge either. Um, I understand he played very well at it, but that's not his best strength. He needs to be inside. That's kind of what he is. And so again, are we going to put this guy in a position, you know, to be that strong side defensive end behind Eric Armstead? I guess so. Um, he, he needs to play inside personally. I think that's what's going to help him out. Again, this goes back to your question. What is the coach's job? Is the coach's job to put their players in the best position to success? Or is the coach's job supposed to adapt the player to fit what the coach wants? And personally, I believe it's the coach's job to find ways to put your players in the best situation for them and if you do that enough and your personnel works together then it molds very well but whenever you take guys out of their natural habitat and force them to be something they are not um, you kind of waste a lot of talent which we have seen unfortunately in this Robert Saylor defense so moving on next question is up from at Matt Barr underscore and if you don't follow at Matt Barr underscore you really need to he uh, hosts the fourth and gold podcast which is great uh, it's, a, it's a relatively new podcast, but he is spot on with his takes. His question is, what are the athletes worth taking flyers on in the later rounds? And it, you don't have to look very far. If you look at the 49ers' official visits and who they have brought in and the positions, man, they're bringing in wide receivers, uh, wide receiver and edge. Those are kind of the two main positions that they, they just keep bringing in. Jalen Hurd is number one for me. I really do believe that he is a guy 
that I have a second round grade on. I think that he will go in that third to fourth round. You know, if, if you look at him, he was the running back for Tennessee that was ahead of Alvin Kamara when he was there. So he was the guy that started over Kamara. But he didn't want to play running back because uh, wide receivers have a longer career in the NFL. So he transferred to Baylor. And this guy is just – there's he, he's such a weird cat because he's big, um, but he's shifty. He runs pretty good routes. He has great hip movement for a wide receiver that's only been playing there for a few years. Uh, love this kid. Um, he's just kind of a jack-of-all-trades. And I hate Baylor with a passion. But Jalen Hurd's film is undeniable. I think he's somebody that in the fourth round at that 104 pick could go. There's lots of other wide receivers. Emmanuel Hall out of Missouri. Again, another freak athlete that can kind of do it all. Um, we'll talk about Miles Boykin here in a second. But um, there's lots of top-tier physical athletic guys that you can get late because they're not polished. And so what you have to do is you have to say, all right, we're going to take this athletic specimen – in the fourth round or later, fourth, sixth round, and we are going to basically redshirt them and try to get them to play up to the level that we need. You know, if, if you can learn routes and if you can work on your route running skills, Kyle Shanahan's going to turn you into a great wide receiver. The problem is some of these elite, athletic, bigger-bodied guys struggle with breaks in and out of their routes. So th that's kind of the issue, but Jalen Hurd is definitely the guy for me there. This next question is from at underscore northern soul underscore. And he says, hey, could you please break down Miles Boykin for me? Um, I, I freaking love this dude. He also says, I just purchased the draft book. Great read. Thank you. Uh, man, really appreciate um, at northern soul for supporting this. And if you guys want to look into the draft book, you're talking a, a – a, over 80 pages of <laughs> draft content, big board, bill wash, scouting notes on all the top tier players, catch radius, draft profiles. You want to know how many brothers and sisters each prospect had and what they played in high school. The, uh, just went in depth on everybody and just put all my notes out there. All you got to do is head over to eatsleepfantasy.com. Uh, just click John Chapman's draft book. You fill in the information. The promo code is R-U-S-H, all caps. Promo code is RUSH, all caps, and it's half off. It's only five bucks uh, for the amount of work that put in. Uh, it's it's an insane amount of information. So if you head over there and do that, I would really appreciate it. So without further ado, Miles Boykin, uh, he's a Notre Dame wide receiver, six foot three, two twenty, and he is just an absolute physical freak. He ran a four four two. Uh, which at 6'3", 220 is just unbelievable, 33-inch arms. And if you look at what he was able to do at the Combine, he is in the 80th percentile or higher in every single category. Um, he has the number one catch radius in the NCAA, which is where you add uh, height, uh, arm length, and vertical. You add all those up, he's number one. So you want to talk about guys like Hakeem Butler that are 6'5", you want to talk about DK Metcalf, who is just an absolute physical freak. This guy outjumps them all, and by about four to five inches over the second place guy, he is unbelievable. His his catch radius just from his vertical is 152 inches or 12 foot eight. <laughs> That's touching the top of the backboard off of a vertical uh, in basketball. That's how scary athletic he is. Now the problem is once you turn the film on. That's where the issues arise. Uh, not a lot of production in his career. He had 77 receptions in three years, 55% uh, catch rate. That's a huge red flag right there. 
and six drops. Now, deep balls is where he specializes in, being this huge, you know, height, speed guy. He caught 11 of 19 deep balls. Deep balls are uh, passes that travel 20 yards or more in the air. Now, those are the good thing. If you just want to use him as a deep ball specialist, that's great. And he's gonna he draws a whole bunch of pass interference penalties because he's so fast and he's he's so long as an athlete. The problem is his stance is awful. He has a false step out of his stance about every single play, which is basically he's lined up in his wide receiver stance watching the ball. As soon as the ball is snapped, he lifts up his front leg and he puts his front leg right back where it was and then takes off. So he's at, you know, a quarter second behind every single play. I have no clue how Notre Dame have not helped him with this. So that tells me a couple things. One, he's uncoach uncoachable or two, he just I he's just he I don't know. Um I I cannot imagine being on a coaching staff and watching film and never picking up on this and addressing this issue. Uh, he's very unpolished in everything. He struggles to get separation of man coverage. Uh, he's a very big body, and he's got top-end speed. But after that, it gets rough. Uh, he never is away from the defender. He does not adjust well to the deep ball, so you need an accurate pass to get it to him. But if it's that kind of soft deep ball where you put a lot of air under it and you just let your wide receiver go get it and high point it, that's his specialty. But it's got to be pretty accurate because he doesn't make great adjustments to the ball if it's behind him or if it's shallow. It's You've got to kind of put it on the key, but just put some air under it and he can be um, – you know, he could be pretty special. He will be drafted pretty early because of his physical traits and potential. You know, my player comparison for him is more uh, Moritz Boehringer. If you remember the um, German player that was just elite physical traits, um, you know, white guy coming out of Germany, but he just reminds me of him. And he's going to have to have time. You're going to put him out there and you're going to say, look, we're going to throw you a screen and allow you to just create on your own, or we're going to throw you a deep pass. And until you can get past those things, you're just going to get probably 10 snaps a game. And so do you want to use a roster position on a guy like that? I think he'll go in the fourth or fifth round. He's not a guy I would like to take in the fourth. Uh, 49ers don't have a fifth round pick. So you're talking sixth round when I take him. Maybe. Um, I probably still wouldn't just because I want more polish personally. Um, but anyway, so that that's there. Now, next question is from Jesse V. Garcia. He asks, I love this question, if the Niners trade out of number two, what two teams would make an offer that the Niners couldn't refuse? Also, what players do you think that the, uh, they would target after they take those trades and why? So uh, here's the problem with the draft. There's not a lot of teams that are quarterback needy that are willing to trade up that we've seen in previous drafts. Now, I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying if you look back at the previous drafts that went quarterback heavy, you know, if you look back to Carson Wentz and you look back to Jared Goff, those picks were made by now. They they were made uh, well over a week before the draft. If you look at, you know, Sam Darnold and you look at Josh Allen and you look at Josh Rosen and all those those trades were taking place before now. Now, the Cardinals traded up draft day, and then the previous year before that, if we get to the Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, those trades took place draft day. So the fact that zero trades have taken place in this draft I think is very telling. 
Um, Arizona kind of controls the fate of how this draft works. And they seem to be letting on to everybody that, guess what? Yeah, they are going to draft Kyler Murray number one overall. And if, you, if you saw Arizona released a hype video for 2019, um, this is their official Twitter website and all that stuff. They released this hype video, and guess who wasn't on there? Uh, there was not one clip of Josh Rosen on this hype video. So you mean to tell me you're going to trade up and get a quarterback in the first round and then leave him off your hype video? If this is a smokescreen, I'm just going to applaud the Cardinals. They they are <laughs> trolling myself big time. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I do think that they will take Kyler Murray. So if we, if we look at that, Let's just look at teams that have the draft capital to possibly move up without mortgaging their future. And that leaves three teams, uh, in my opinion. The most likely is definitely the Oakland Raiders. They're in full-on rebuild. I get that. But they could move up. They need an edge player so bad um, that if Kyler Murray does go number one, they could be sitting at number four and lose out on the top two edge guys, um, you know, Josh Allen or Nick Bosa. And, you know, they would get Quentin Williams, which is great. But, man, if you want to talk about the one strength that the Oakland Raiders have, it's a defensive interior. And so do you take another guy to, you know, Deshaun Hand, you've got uh, Maurice Hurst, you got these guys that are – you don't need help there. Uh, obviously, Quentin Williams is probably better than those players, but it, they are the worst edge situation in the entire NFL. So uh, if they if they sit at four – and, you know, I guarantee you this, there are three players they love. Uh, it would be Kyler Murray. You know, they've talked about how they would love to have that quarterback. Um, also, Bosa and Josh Allen. After that, I think they're probably going to go linebacker. Somebody like Devin White or Devin Bush. Um, who knows what they would do there. They do have three first-round picks. So I could see Oakland trying to trade up. And I've talked about this in the past. I think there's two options that they could do. They could part with two first-rounders and do that fourth pick and the 27th pick, package those together to the 49ers. I think that would be an ideal trade. Or if the 49ers want to push back, uh, we would get the number four, the number 35 pick, you know, their second-rounder, and a 2022nd, which is what I would want to go with because uh, we don't have a second-round pick next year because we traded that for D Ford. And I think that the strength in this draft is in that 30 to 50 range, like I said before. So uh, that's what I would personally go for. And if we do drop back to four, you've got those three guys um, that you, you – Niners wouldn't mind taking Quentin Williams. Um, personally, I think edge is the bigger need there. But if you drop back to four, kind of like what we did with Solomon Thomas, this gives you the added draft capital to finesse yourself in and out of this draft and or the next draft so um i would take edge first if at all possible and then you know out of all these spots interior offensive linemen we've talked about safety cornerback wide receiver i think all those are options it seems like the 49ers fans want wide receiver um i think most draft uh teams want wide receivers they're just more exciting i guess now new york giants is another team that has the draft capital to trade up, but I don't think they're going to do it. You know, David Gettleman never makes trades in the first round, and he is stuck in the Stone Age in almost all things. But if we just look at their draft capital alone, they definitely have the the power to do that. You know, if they package their number six and 17 first round pick, it's the exact value, uh, according to Jimmy Johnson's trades chart, uh, to jump up. Now, I understand people are saying, oh, that trade cart chart is obsolete. I, I don't think that it is. 
and top tier quarterbacks yeah you have to overpay to jump up to a quarterback and maybe they would pay more than this but if you look at all the trades that take place they follow it pretty dang close um, i guarantee you every single team in the nfl uses this as a resource they might not swear to it by the bible but this is a jumping off point for trades and negotiations um, so you could talk about those two first round picks which would be man that would be unbelievable or which i would prefer the number six, the number 95, you know, their late third round pick, and a 2021st. That's, that would be ideal. I don't think that the Giants would do that again, but that would be pretty damn fun. Uh, instead of having that second round pick, which we don't have, we have two firsts next year. And then the last team that I would talk about would be Green Bay. And again, a lot of this just has to do with their draft capital. They have two first round picks, and they also have two fourth round picks and two sixth round picks and all their original picks in all of the other rounds. So as far as draft capital, they are loaded. So you could do the number 12, the number 30 pick and a 2022nd. That would be beautiful. But if you drop back to that 12, you're out of the elite tier. And so if you drop back that far, you're hoping, you know, Montez Sweat, Brian Burns, Cleveland Farrell at edge. And then with that 30 pick, you know, you're going to get that corner, that safety, that wide receiver or interior old line guy. Or maybe you do number 12, number 44. So they're first and second. And then a 2021st. Again, I do not think that they will do this. It doesn't really fit what they do. They believe in accumulating picks for the future, not giving them away. But if they want to jump up for that elite edge guy, I mean, you can't fault them. If they're going to try to, you know, get a Super Bowl while Aaron Rodgers is there, he's 35 years old, why not sell all out and just go get it? So, uh, so just some possibilities there. I think Oakland is by far the best uh, potential trade partner, but I don't think that it's going to necessarily happen. Um, before I get to the next question, we got quite a few more. I want to take time just to thank our sponsor, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. These guys are the absolute best. You know, if you, you're on Twitter, you got to see uh, the gentleman that received, David, that received the uh, DeForest Buckner jersey, and he put the picture of him holding up the autographed DeForest Buckner jersey, which is just awesome. Absolutely love this podcast and how we can just bring 49ers fans together. And just want to say thanks to our sponsor for helping that out. You know, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia, whatever needs you have, those guys will take care of you. Head over there and let them know the 49ers Rush podcast sent you. I'm hoping to set up something to have another um, giveaway soon. And so, again, just want to say thanks to those guys. Next question from at Top Shelf. Um, that's a legit uh, <laughs> Top Shelf underscore. He says this. Which player slash position should the 49ers draft to help offset divisional rival strengths and help win divisional games? This is the way a lot of NFL teams address their personnel decisions. First off, you know he he gets it because here's what you have to win your division first. If if you win your division, all good things happen. And so uh, going back to top shelf underscore tie, he says, I say we need guard help to slow down Darnold, also free safety to slow down McVay's offense. So again, this is the perfect way to build your roster and so you have to look at okay well who's kind of king of whatever right now the nfc west you've got to say the rams they made it to the super bowl and lost last year what are the rams great at they have elite interior guy you know the defensive player of the year back-to-back -back years uh, he's unbelievable aaron donald and then they have elite corners and so what are you going to do 
How do you stop that? And I already talked about some of these guys, but if you wanted to stop, if your number one priority in this draft, we want to do our best to isolate Aaron Donald. I would personally, I draft Eric McCoy because uh, interior offensive lineman out of Texas A&M, which is so hard for me to say. I, I, I'm a Longhorn. I, I hate the Aggies, but you've got to respect people that play uh, with the way he plays. If you put on the Texas A&M versus Alabama game, you're going to see Quinnen Williams have a good game. He's going to have a very good game, but never against Eric McCoy. So if you want to talk about the most disruptive player, you know, that all the 49 fans love in Quinnen Williams, if you want to see him get stopped um, on half the plays where he lines up against McCoy because he moves, he's over the center, and he's over the guard. He plays kind of the one, two, three techniques. Quinnen Williams does, sometimes even outside. Uh, but whenever he lined up at one-on-one versus McCoy, it was stalemate at best for Quinnen Williams. So if my idea is, man, I've got to at least stalemate this elite guy, and I'm not saying McCoy can do that against Aaron Donald. I'm just saying if we look at all the college guards and centers, who's the next best thing to Aaron Donald? I think it's got to be Quinnen Williams at the next level. So why not draft him? Again, Dalton Reisner, absolutely unbelievable and mean as hell. Uh, you want to piss off Aaron Donald, which the 49ers have been able to do. If you remember the first game of the year when we beat him uh, uh, about three years ago and he slammed his helmet in the middle of the field and got kicked out of the game, that was just one of my happiest moments ever. Um, or perhaps Lindstrom. I think Lindstrom is a guy I doubt he is there at pick 36. A lot of teams are really high on him. I'm not as high as most. I do have a second-round grade on him. I, I think if that's your idea, those are the three guys that you would want to target. Now, free safety if that's what you're wanting to do, it depends on what you want. Are you looking for best ball skills? Because we struggle with interceptions. If that's the case, the two guys that have the best ball skills is not even close is Nasir Adderley and Thornhill. Uh, Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. You talk about those two guys, holy freaking cow. You know, Eric Crocker, who knows his stuff, uh, Thornhill's his his guy. He, he is absolutely in love with that guy. So if your job is to... Uh, deflect passes and get interceptions, you want to target those two free safeties. Now, if you're looking for more speed and all you want is, you know, a, an interactive free safety that's always going to be around the ball, then you're targeting Darnell Savage or Jonathan Abraham. Those, those are the Abram. Th those are the two guys that you want to go after. So ball skills, Adderley Thornhill, uh, speed, Savage Abrams. Those are kind of the guys. So it's just kind of pick your poison at that safety position. Um, Personally, what I would do, and again, this is operating under the assumption that Kyler Murray is going to be drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. I think the biggest issue is mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Russell Wilson, you know, just got his extension. Then Kyler Murray probably will be the most mobile quarterback in the NFL as soon as he is drafted, even more so than Lamar Jackson. Now, I understand the size is, is less, but if you watch Kyler Murray's film, he doesn't take hits. You want to talk about a mobile quarterback that's super, super smart. He never gets hit. Uh, he, he's so fast and so quick that he can shift out of his way and get out of bounds or get down before anybody makes contact with him. Now, I understand he'll take some hits, but if I wanted to neutralize that mobile quarterback, the number one player on my big board would be Josh Allen. Um, not only does he bring the edge pressure, I get that, but if I'm valuing the spy linebacker, and I want to stop that. 
Josh Allen is the best in this draft, and it's not even close. I have him rated as high as Devin Bush and Devin White in that category. So, uh, you know, again, it just kind of gives you a very unique perspective into what it is you value. I'm not saying take Josh Allen with the number two pick. However, I am saying if my number one goal was to keep mobile quarterbacks in the pocket, I would draft Josh Allen if that's what I wanted. And the added bonus of, you know, edge rusher, that's something to keep in mind too. Next question, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but it's I Malavos, um, very active on Twitter. Really appreciate all the support. He says, John, if we go edge wide receiver with our first two picks, can you give me three names for home run third round selections? Maybe one of the uh, Wisconsin um, interior offensive linemen. Again, I, I love the interior offensive lineman class. It's very, very deep. So assuming that we go edge rusher than wide receiver with our first two picks, I would love to target any of these guys. Um, and and it's it's not even close for me. Like the third round is pretty fun, <laughs> I guess is the best way I could say it. So the guy that you're talking about, Big Bo Ben Shawl. Uh, I know I said that awful, and I apologize to your whole family. Um, he is an absolute stud. Now I have a second round grade on him. He's mean as hell, and he loves to just destroy people uh, he's just the definition of a killer but you know he's pretty big 66309 he's a little bigger than what we're used to or at least what we'd like um, Elton Jenkins is another guy that I think would fit out of Mississippi State he's 64310 he need to drop a little bit but he's that perfect center guard combo now there's some draft rumors that are saying he could slide up in the first round um, I don't see that uh, we, we saw it last year with Frank Ragnow out of Arkansas State, who was uh, out of Arkansas, who I was super high on. Um, you know, I had an early second round grade, but the Detroit Lions took him in the first round, and he had a pretty rough start to the year. But he turned it on late. Very similar player in Elton Jenkins out of Mississippi State. I think that would be an insane pick. Then, if you're staying at that interior guard spot, um, there's gonna be some guys that don't fit. Nate Herbig out of Stanford. You know, we love Stanford guys, but he's just too big for Kyle Shanahan's system. I, I think he's not going to be on our big board. Michael Jordan, the center out of Ohio State, 6'6", 3'12". Again, a little too big, a little too slow. He ran that 5'27". I don't think he's going to be there. But Connor McGovern, he's kind of the borderline size that we look for. 6'5", 308 and he's a perfect zone blocker. Now, the problem with him is he does struggle in pass protection. But if you're talking about that third round scheme fit ideal whatever i think he's going to be one of those guys connor mcgovern that could be there but i elton jenkins would be ideal that that's who i would prefer in that interior spot so um and then another question from at panda king nine we had a question from him last time appreciate the support can you break down Keyshawn uh Keyshawn johnson from fresno and he spells his name in the best way ever k-e-e-s-e-a-n so Keyshawn. Um, now he's another one of those guys that's quite unique. Um, yards after the catch is everything for him. He's six foot one, 201 pounds. Now he ran a four, six forty. So th that, that's not ideal for somebody at that size. Usually if you're in that 200 pound range, you're more of a speed guy. Um, so he's, he's not a big guy and he's not a speed guy. He only has nine and a half inch hands. That's, you know, suspect, not awful. Now, again, Yards after the catcher would make him special, but after that he's he's a jag, uh, you know, just a guy. I had a coach all the time, and we would put together. All right, what are we gonna do with this guy? We don't have anybody to play this. Oh, just throw so and so over there. 
Uh, who's that? Oh, he's a jag. It doesn't matter. Let's just put somebody over there. He's just a guy. He's not somebody that's going to hurt you, but he's going to disappear on film a lot. He is a four-year starter, 65% um, catch rate, and he's got a lot of receptions, 275 yards. Again, this is out of Fresno. But um, 19 drops, eh, not too bad for four years. 24 career touchdowns, and this is what's special about him. 1,425 yards uh, after the catch for his career. That's just absolutely incredible. 15 out of 27 on deep ball catches. That's good. But very bottom-tier athletic profile. Um, he doesn't even look like a 4'6 guy on film, unfortunately. Um, he's quick out of his stance. He's great out of his stance. That, but he doesn't have a second gear. Like he, <laughs> he, His acceleration is really good. But he's not anybody that's going to ever run away from anybody. He rounds off his cuts a little bit too much. I think that he can be a decent run blocker, but he has this horrible tendency to where he, he'll he start the block and be in perfect position. He'll turn around and look over his shoulder to watch the play happen, and he loses his block all the time. So several times a game, you will see him watching his ball carrier get tackled. That is a huge pet peeve as a former coach. Um, but he's not a separation guy at all. My draft day comparison for him was a poor man's Mario Manningham. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've had him uh, with our organization in the past. He does kind of fit with what we want. It's just the separation and speed are not there. But again, you're talking about a guy that, let's say, we just say, hey, wide receiver is not a concern. In our first three picks, we go edge, uh, safety, corner, interior O-line, whatever. We just say, we don't need more wide receiver. This is a guy that I think will be there in the sixth round. And so, do I like him? No. Would I like him in the sixth round? Yeah. Would I like him in the seventh round? That'd be a hell of a pick. So, just because I'm a little bit lower on these guys, and as we get closer to the draft, it's pretty fun because you know Twitter starts to move on from the top guys because they they feel like they've graded them and they understand them and they start to go deeper with guys like Keyshawn Johnson and Miles Boykin and that's fun. But um, these guys have value and he's going to be drafted. There's no doubt about that. Anybody that can create on their own after the catch is special and the NFL values that. It's just trying to find that place and that's why I do my tiered rankings. Where you would like to take this guy? Where will he return value? And for me. You know, my last tier wide receivers this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is my seventh tier. I have Terry McLaurin, Keyshawn Johnson, McCole Hardman, Miles Boykin. They're clustered to me because those are all players that are hyper athletic and um, can create, but they're not great wide receivers. Uh, McLaurin is probably one of the biggest names where people are going to be like, what? Uh, again, I think all these guys are better athletes than they are football players. And because of that, they're going to be drafted all probably higher than I have them. But I want somebody that's going to do the same things, play in and play out. And I don't see that in Keyshawn Johnson. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. If you don't already, follow me on Twitter at JL underscore Chapman. And if you have not purchased the draft book, please go do that. $5 off. Head over to Eat Sleep Fantasy. It's the first day you're going to see John Chapman's draft book. Click on that. Fill out all the stuff and enter in the promo code RUSH, capital letters, R-U-S-H, for half off. It's only 5 bucks. Appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.